0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show.
1: And welcome back. I am Heather Carroll.
0: And I'm Marcus Ashlock. And we are your
1: hosts this morning for Real Presence Live. Thank you for joining us. We're broadcasting today from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is Marcus's first time co-hosting. It is. You were on during the live drive. I was, yes. So um, we're good friends, and I said, hey, i got an opening for co-host, and you have a media background, amongst other things. Amongst
2: other things, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was in print media. I owned a newspaper for almost a decade, and, but before that, I taught journalism. I was a college professor and uh, taught agricultural communications and journalism.
1: Agriculture communications. So you talked about corn and cows.
2: Yeah, you know, s- cows and plows and
1: how <laughs> to write about it. So.
2: <laughs> wow, you're, well, but, that's exciting. But, well, I tell you, leading back into the last guest, I mean... You know, uh, clean water and food—that's agriculture. I mean, mm-hmm. we we are in a in in a world. At least in the United States, we're, we're a lot of generations past living on a farm and that agrarian life. Even though you know people that do that, and your food just doesn't come from the grocery store. Yeah. And, and especially so, here
1: in the Midwest, you right, know that
2: absolutely. But there are places that are called food deserts. That you know, like. Los Angeles or New York, that they've only got about two weeks of food in that town. So if something were to shut down all commerce, you know, people would starve very quickly because they would lose access to food. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. Because when you talk about uh, first world problems or third world problems you mentioned earlier, you know, the people in Guatemala, those you know, young people dealing with intestinal problems because of dirty water and they don't have a way to clean it. And, you know, but then that affects the, the rest of the food that they eat. I mean, we take a lot of things for granted. But, yeah. um, you know, we've got uh, a lot of healthy things of naturally available. You know, there's all these, oh, we don't want to be a socialist society and you can't, you know, can't do this. But, but we are talking about in this last segment, Donating money, donating time—that's a very socialist thing that we do to help other people. So yes. when we think of socialism, we just think of communism. But there are things yeah, as we Catholics. Well, we have Catholic Community Foundation and all of these things that help in charity and love for the for people in need. You know that is a very socialized thing that we do and we don't think about it from that point of view Mm -hmm. you know we think about what the government does for us socially but it's taking care of your neighbor taking care of your family and your friends you know that that may not have it as good as you Mm -hmm. and you just pass on the fruits that you've got to other people that may not have those
1: right well and i find it interesting um Whenever we do a show, it sometimes has an underlying theme that runs through it. And I always, ask, I always put Dr. Bergwald on the spot. And since you're a doctor, too, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So what, it, for you, has been the overarching theme of the show?
2: Well, I think the, the middle segment... The community word. Mm-hmm. So in the first in the that's to me it was community. So in the in the first segment we were uh, trying to um, develop a community for families mm-hmm. in adoration, a place for families to go that they feel comfortable being there with their rowdy children. You know because yeah. children are rowdy naturally. That's just the way children are. Yeah. And and so you've created this place for people to feel. Comfortable and to be themselves mm-hmm. And then you had Abigail come in and talk about a place at the cathedral for young adults to come in and feel comfortable and to build a community and to come in where they are, right. at whatever stage that they are. And then you've got this last um, segment um, with Rhonda talking about a community that's already there, but it was forgotten. Yeah, and so how do we go in and help these people? Because we have graces and things in our lives that give us an abundance, and so we go give that to other people. And so I think for me, it was—I've been thinking about the same thing. I think it's this this community of creating a place for people to come. You know, maybe spiritually or in the last segment, physically, from a yeah. health point of view. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it's feeding the soul, whether it's feeding through food or feeding through adoration or feeding through a community of people, of like-minded individuals who want to gather together and talk about God.
1: So one question I had for you as we were discussing things, um, especially with Abigail um, bringing young adults together in a Catholic setting. One of the things, or areas that us Catholics have heard we need improvement on is our friendliness and community. So, sometimes um, if somebody new has attended a Catholic church, they're like, everybody's very standoffish, they're not welcoming, they're not all these things. You grew up Baptist.
2: I did. Mm -hmm. So,
1: I wanted to get your perspective, now that you've been Catholic for a few years, how... Is it different, and how can we improve?
2: Yeah, and, and I know we've talked about this before. And, and um, you know, I guess growing up, we went to church um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that, that kind of a... Uh, Method. You went to of church prod- Sunday night? Yeah, so Sunday morning would be a typical, you know, the just church like a typical ch- church service, and Sunday night would be a uh, a Bible study. Sometimes they would have for the kids, but it would be, and then Wednesday would also be a Bible study. Mm. And so you would go in and it would be less of a sermon and more of a teaching. And so the Sunday morning would be like a homily, except in Protestantism, you know, it lasts 45 minutes to an hour, which, you know, now as a Catholic, it's, it's, it's amazing how succinct our priests are in talking about whatever reading it is. And there's not this. They get to the point. They get to the point. Well, it's not, you know, uh, I remember, and I can't remember if it was my dad that said something one time or somebody, but it's it's one thing to, to hear a sermon over 10 different uh, uh, scriptures, you know, or 20 that he reads 20 different, you know, mm-hmm. a, a series of scripture. He said it's more scarier to hear a pastor talk 45 minutes over one. Yeah. Can you imagine, you know, giving uh, an entire homily over one, yeah. you know, John 3.16 or whatever? Someone like
1: Father, or Father, someone like Dr. Gray could do that, mm-hmm. you know, or Dr. David Anderson. <laughs> right, right. I had a college professor
2: that, uh, it was a... Uh, techniques of animal production, because I've got an agriculture bachelor's degree. And uh, so I had to take a a bunch of electives, uh, you know, and one of them. Classes
1: you didn't know existed. I know it, right? Is that what's the next segment?
2: Doc Doc Humphreys, I tell you, this guy, he would come in with one three-by-five card, and he would talk for an hour over it, and then we would go out and have a lab, you know, where we're, you know, dehorning cattle and branding and all kinds of that kind of stuff, you know. where didn't know I was going to be
1: talking about that today. Well, you never know. So for you, you like the homilies better.
2: I do. I do. I think... And not everyone's a gifted homilist, but when you're in that presence of someone who can really tie it into something, because as growing up, I remember the, the the narrative is, well, you know, I feel like Pat, the preacher was speaking to me today, or I got a lot out of it, or mm-hmm. I really didn't get out of a, a lot out of it. But imagine being there for an hour and not getting very much out of it. Uh. It's one thing to have a 15-minute homily, and it'd be kind of something that you can relate to, but sitting there listening to someone talk for an hour and not get a thing out of it it's it's kind of you know disheartening sometimes and so i really enjoy when i'm in the presence of somebody who's a great homilist that can mm-hmm. talk and and really just smack you in the face you know but the
1: focus is completely different than when it you're a protestant
2: it is it is and i um i remember before i finished my conversion Uh, My newspaper was printed uh, two hours away, so every Wednesday I'd put the paper to bed Tuesday night, at whatever time that happened, and then I would get up in the morning and I would drive two hours, go pick up my paper from the regional printer, and then drive back. Well, halfway there was a city uh, about 50 miles away from where I was living that had St. Catherine's Hospital, and they had an adoration chapel, 24-hour adoration chapel there, and every once in a while... You know, I would be thinking about, and I'd, you know, listen to RPR or listen to Lamb Radio back then on my app. I'd plug it into my truck or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I'd listen to it. And something would tell me, you just need to go buy adoration. And I don't know where this, I mean, obviously it was the Holy Spirit, but, you know, here I am, a Protestant, and I had already started praying the rosary, and then I, I go sit there for 15 or 20 minutes and do another rosary in adoration. And it was just, it's a... I, can, I can't I can imagine learning how to do that when I was a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what type of faith life I would have had. Not that I didn't have a good faith life. I mean, I grew right. up going to church and, and having some good pastors, and, and my parents were very faithful. And um, uh, But when you realize that the host, that sacramental part of that faith, Faith is the real presence of Jesus. It's one thing to be thinking about, I'm praying to God, you know, every once in a while, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to pray and to be in his presence.
1: Yeah. And There's and I don't like know it. how anybody
2: wouldn't want that, you know. Yeah. So,
1: once once it dawned on you and once you believed, it was like no turning back.
2: Well, what gets me, though, is, uh, and this will probably have to wait after break because it's a bit, little bit longer of an explanation, but, you know, there is so... Much resistance on believing that it's the real presence; that it's just a symbol. It's just a symbolic, you know. It's like, you know, they. I grew up hearing, and I can't remember what Bible verse this is, but you know, when when two or more gather in my presence, the Holy Spirit's there. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a very loose translation of what I'm trying to remember the actual thing said. But you know, it's one thing to have people there and you feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or you're right in front of it. Yeah. And and that was probably one of the things that, and I want to talk about that a little bit more, but uh, it, it was amazing. And so every time I go to church, I'm like, wow, well, I'm, I'm in front of Jesus himself. You yeah. know? And pretty lucky. Yeah.
1: All right, folks, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to continue to pester Marcus and uh we never did you never did answer my question you like totally evaded my question so we're going to come back it's to it it's funny how i did that yeah you're like a master so <laughs>
0: <laughs> folks stay with us more real presence live right after this live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network you're listening to real presence live now back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area heard right here on the rpr network
1: and welcome back i am heather carroll
2: and i'm marcus hashlock
1: and you're listening to real presence live thank you for joining us it's our last segment our last little bit to mm-hmm. pick apart Marcus's brain. Oh, well, <laughs> it's a short trip, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like herding cats. <laughs> because you evaded my question, you're like, we get to break, and you're like, what was the question? <laughs>
2: well, that's the yeah. So I problem had, with being an extrovert. I've got all of this ADD stuff going in my head. I'm like, ooh, I can talk about that. Yeah, I can yeah, talk yeah. about
1: that. Well, I had asked because uh, sometimes Catholics get the. Uh, the reputation of not being the friendliest of folk at church yeah in 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 the break you mentioned that
2: you kind of expanded on it and I guess I was thinking from a different point of view but I do remember the one of the first couple of times I went to a Catholic church, I wasn't greeted. I wasn't, hey, glad to see you, you know, and, and the the point that you brought up is like, well, you know, as Catholics we can go to any service. We you know, maybe a member of Christ the King, but I went to Saint Michael's last Sunday and mm-hmm. they don't know whether I'm a member there or I'm a visitor. Yeah. You know, and so um and I guess there's this, and I think some people might think it's a little fake, but there's this Southern gentility and hospitality that you just welcome people mm-hmm. and, and there's this standoffishness about the Northern part or wherever <laughs> of, you know, and it's not that, and don't get me wrong, there's, it's not that, that Southerners can't be, uh, standoffish because I've been in churches where I felt like I'd been going there for years, mm-hmm. In the way that they welcomed me to their church, and uh-huh. then there was one when I moved to this town, and it was a town of about 50,000 or whatever, so there were several churches, and there was this small little country church-looking thing like I grew up in, and I went there, and there probably wasn't more than 30 people there, and it was obvious I didn't go there because no one knew who I was, mm-hmm. but the pastor, and no one, no one welcomed me in that church, hmm. not one person stopped and said are you new are you you're visiting are you trying to find a church welcome to this whatever it was you know and not even not one person said anything they could
1: tell you're sketchy just by well that's probably what it was (laughs) you know
2: it's that metallica shirt i wore to church right so i know but the point was is i didn't go back Yeah, You know, it could have been a great church, but no one acted like they were glad to have you here.
1: What makes it different going into a Catholic church like St. Michael's and nobody says, you know, they do have people that say, hey, welcome, you know, Mm -hmm. and hand you a bulletin or whatever it might be before and after church. But why do you not worry about it as much?
2: Well, I think now because I'm there for a different reason, you know, and and like we've chatted about at break, I think one of the reasons, as a Protestant, when you go to church, is there is a community, and then you go to fellowship. But mm-hmm. as a Catholic, fellowship just happens while you're there if it happens, but you're there to be in the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so there's this... Worship. It's, yeah, it's, you know, I've, I mean, we have praise and worship in the... in, in as a Protestant when I was a kid. Um, you know, we sing for 10 or 15 minutes and then you went through the the structure of the of the service or whatever and and but the ending is what is really one of the biggest differences uh, uh, other than other than the real presence of Jesus uh, the, at the end of most every protestant service I've ever been to they're trying to lead you to Christ. They want you to be saved. And so there's this we we call it a benediction um you know growing up, but it was it was the pastor trying to get you to realize that you're a sinner and you need Jesus in your life and there's anyone who's not saved come up and mm. and walk the you know the sinner's walk and And you profess your sin, huh. I mean, you don't tell everybody your sin, but you accept Jesus in your life, and so a lot of the service is about conversion uh, for those people who are not Christian to come to know Jesus in their life and,
1: hmm. and so, so more opportunity invitations
2: yeah, you know, hmm. but as a Catholic it's not you don't have to invite people to know Jesus because he's there you know I mean, yeah. he's really there yeah. and so it's a whole different experience and mm-hmm. and i you know i i try not to proselytize to my family or any of that because i don't want to push them away mm-hmm. um, but you know when you grow up thinking one thing and learning about Jesus and Christ and your faith from a certain point of view and then if you start asking why you believe it, and the only reason that you believe it is because that's what your pastor told you. It's not because there's 2,000 years worth of a magisterium and research and, and thoughtful prayer and all of these councils that determine what our faith and our dogma is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go to a church like I went to before I became Catholic, immediately I was going to an independent fundamental Baptist church. And I asked my pastor one time, I said, why, why is it independent? Like. He said, "Well, we don't want to be under the direction of anybody. We want to be able to do what we want to do." And I'm like, "Okay, all right." And so you don't want to be told what to believe. So that means you can believe whatever you want to believe because yeah. you're independent. Talk about a slippery slope. It is. It's very slippery because, you know, uh, and I've had P- Protestant friends. Well, how did you get over that? And I said, "Well, in my mind, you know, from a very logical point of view, if you if you truly believe in the Trinity." then you know that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit cannot be in opposition with one another. They can't. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not liars. They One can't do one thing and one does the other. Yeah,
1: they're all one they're thing. They're
2: all one. Yeah. And so if you truly believe that, then how can you make that mental gymnastic leap that all of these denom- Protestant denominations that, well, the Holy Spirit led me to believe this. Well, did he? Did he really do mm-hmm. that? because if you've got 2000 years worth of teaching and and thought and and about Jesus and then you form your church because the holy spirit told you to do this is he really doing it or is it just something that you just don't believe in and now you want to preach it
1: so it's pretty floppy
2: it is i mean yeah. you know it doesn't you can't stand up to a test when you start to think about it and and there's
1: Well, and I think, and we don't have time to get into it, but I think the the crux of the matter is when you asked your pastor, why do we believe this? And he said, it's just pray on it because that's just what we believe that's just
2: what we believe
1: he had no answer
2: he had no answers whatsoever yeah you know so but that
1: was like to you you were like okay i'm done yeah
2: <laughs> well and because i didn't have the heart to tell him at the time i have been praying about this and i'm about to become a catholic and <laughs> and and there's nothing obviously that you can i mean because and that was eight months before i became a catholic i talked to him about the Eucharist and why we didn't believe this and he had nothing Nothing. and so and and but more importantly he never came back to me with why in eight months yeah you know since the moment I asked him to the time I told him that I was going to be confirmed at the end of March not one time did he ever come back to me because it's not like I didn't you know I'm like well well
1: because a lot of us uh, Catholics will be like I don't know the answer but I will find out
2: exactly because I
1: know it exists Right. just about anything we have to ask. Yeah.
2: Makes I was very disappointed and
1: hmm. well, cuz
2: I was trying to find We're
1: glad to have you home. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. I feel at home. Good. Well, folks, uh we're winding down to the end of the show. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We're going to head on up to Fargo. We have our new producer Mark at in the hot seat. So Mark, how's it going today? Pretty good. Yeah, you've done a great job. Thank you. So you are learning how to run things up there in Fargo, and that means that you get the job of telling us the preview on what's coming up next week on Real Presence Live. Yep.
2: Okay. On the next Real Presence Live Monday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Brad Gray and Jeannie Bitson are your hosts, live from the Fargo studio. Tune in to meet the Diocese of Fargo's newest priest, Father Robert Forch. Next, Father Brian Gross will be on to talk about the Eucharistic revival in the Diocese of Bismarck. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Monday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Mark. You did a great job. Thank you. All right. So we've got a couple of students that are learning how to do the board up there. and It can be kind of intimidating, but I think Mm -hmm. they've both picked it up really well.
2: I think they've done really well.
1: Yeah. So tomorrow we're actually having a best-of show. Um, We're pretty excited about it because um, Monsignor Richter, out of uh, the Dickinson area has been doing um, a discernment. He's been coming on for an hour um, about once a month talking about discernment. It's like his speciality. So we're recapping two shows tomorrow. Mm. So uh, he's just amazing. Just such a gift to have in our listening area and so we are highlighting him tomorrow Mm -hmm. on real presence live talking about discernment that sounds like a great show oh my gosh any anybody and everybody should be listening to Mm -hmm. that and then he will be back on i think next week with the next segment Hmm. so such a gift such a gift to have him in our but that's what we're doing tomorrow right recapping so what did you think of co-hosting
2: I enjoyed it. I hope everyone else did.
1: So. I was really sad you didn't have any opinions about anything. I know. Nothing um, to talk about. Right. Yeah. I was so worried about I'm that. So bland. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to have you in the Catholic Church and have you part of the family. And
2: Well, I've I have never felt closer to God in my life. I mean, and I thought I did when I was younger, but it's never been this
1: deep. Yeah. We are quite blessed. Mm-hmm. I our believe heart. so. All right. Well, thank you for co-hosting with me today. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you've missed any of our discussions today, we've had some really great ones. You can always check out our podcast on realpresenceradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Or even download mm-hmm. the app like Marcus does and listens on his app. And you go back to uh, Dr. David Anders every day and listen oh, to Oh,
2: I do. I just <laughs> love that, that show. So, that Catholic Answers Live.
1: Yeah. So... Thank you, folks, for tuning in to Real Presence Live today. We appreciate uh, you listening, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Mm -hmm. And blessings on all of you. Thank you, and God bless.